The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Episode 18. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. How's it going, Jack? It's going well. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Before we get started the episode, I want uh, to remind everyone to stick around. We've got some fantastic feedback from our listeners that we'll be covering at the end of the show. Today we are discussing the 18th episode of the first season of SG-1, Solitudes. You want to give us a breakdown of this episode, Victor? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jack and Sam go missing after a mission. Teal'c and Daniel can't find him at first, but eventually they do. Jack almost dies in an ice cave, but it's okay because he doesn't. The end. let 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 me try that one again. SG-1, after heavy fire while on P4A-771, gates back to Earth. Only Daniel and Teal'c make it back to the SGC, however, while Carter and Jack wake up buried in an ice cave, with Jack gravely injured. Carter sets Jack's broken leg and ribs and goes to work chipping a DHD out of a block of ice. Back at the SGC, Sergeant Sylvester Seiler works around the clock to repair the badly damaged Stargate so the search for Carter and Jack can begin. While Carter and Jack huddle for warmth, Daniel develops a plan for finding his lost teammates but comes up empty at every turn. Eventually, with Jack either minutes or hours or days away from death, Carter files up the Stargate back to Earth, but again, alas, to no avail. Back in the SGC, Sergeant Siler, with a little help from Daniel, works out that the Stargate network was not built by the Gould at all, but rather by AT&T in the early 1900s. (laughs) And that, oh my gosh, they were wrong. It was Earth all along. Pinpointing Jack and Carter's location to be 50 miles out of McMurdo Station in the Antarctic, General Hammond launches a rescue operation. Everything turns out fine, and Area 51 gets their own Stargate. The end. Yeah, that's better. Beautiful. (laughs) So before we get into talking about this episode, there's a great outtake uh, from this episode. So when they recorded it, uh, as as it was, Amanda Tapping mentioned this in a a con uh, convention that they had actually used a, a studio that was set to below freezing. So they're in this studio in Vancouver where it was, you know, minus two, minus three, as she put it, which I would assume Celsius. So, you know, about 30 degrees Fahrenheit, give or take. And so they're and and the, the producer, Martin Wood says, you know, let's, let's, if there's some way you can bring some levity into it and to lighten things up, let's do this. So at one point as, as they're chipping away at the uh, DHD, trying to open it, Amanda Tapping says, you know, you were MacGyver for seven years. You were, you know, McGadget, McGizmo. You know, you we got you know belt buckles. You could make a nuclear bomb. You were MacGyver. You know, I'm stuck in an iceberg with MacGyver. And Richard Dean Anderson looks at the camera as the crew is dying laughing. Uh, Amanda Tapping later at this this convention says, "I thought I was fired." 
because he did not look pleased. But apparently, obviously, it, he was okay with it because she continued in the series for 10 years plus uh, uh, Atlantis. So she did okay. But if, if you go on YouTube and I'll make sure Jack, Jack's got the link to it and we'll make sure it gets put in the show yeah. notes because it is absolutely hilarious. Just especially Richard Dean Anderson's expression in I'm, this. I'm impressed, too, that they had Martin Wood back after that as well. He was the director of this episode and after this went on to direct 78 more episodes of, of the yeah, he was, franchise. He was a very yeah. prolific yeah. director in this. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mentioned this in our uh, chat before the episode, uh, saying that we'd have to break this into two parts because so much went on. Obviously, that's a bit of sarcasm because it's yeah. a very slow episode. Mm-hmm. But it's also a very character-focused episode, which mm-hmm. I liked a lot. So I enjoyed that about it. Um, what were your other thoughts about it, Father Corey? Oh, I, th- you know, this is, I, I mentioned before we started recording that this, I forgot how good this episode was. Mm-hmm. This is one of those episodes that as soon as you see what it is, it's like, oh, yeah. Because it, it is, it is very much character development, um, you know, especially for Sam. You get to see a lot of, a lot of act personality out of Sam that we don't normally see. Um, and the concern, of course, of the people at SGC, even even the, the even General Hammond, you get to see a lot of his concern as well. Right. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? Yeah, I'm with Father Corey. I, I this is one of my favorite episodes in my memory. And but when I watched it again, there's just it's so rich. I mean, it's not action. There's no real adventure. They don't. They, you just see the gate. You know, they go through the gate a couple of times, but. But it's just you—you you just see the the team bonding, and of course, I'll mention this is a this is a first shipper episode, you know, mm-hmm. Jack and Sam ship that is mm-hmm. always referred to. So, um, watching it again, it just yeah, seeing all of that grow and develop. I actually saw I'm gonna I saw less ship than what I remembered 20 years ago, but you know, <laughs> it it was a it's a it's just I don't know it's just one again one of those just really quietly great episodes of the first season Mm -hmm. yeah what about you victor i think it's got about as much ship as the voyage of the mimi where they did another (laughs) infamously did another cuddling for warmth uh, scene as middle schoolers across gen x middle schoolers across the country now but um no i i i like it for what it does uh for the characters um turning daniel jackson into an astrophysicist was pretty cool uh, for mm-hmm. one episode. Um, and of course, Master Sergeant uh, Siler, uh, one of my favorite characters in the Tex- entire franchise. I, yep. Uh, Got to correct you, Tech oh, Sergeant. Tech Sergeant, right. Sorry. Sorry, sir. Master Sergeant. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Tech Sergeant Siler, um, who is uh, played by Dan Shea, uh, R- Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double. So it was mm-hmm. a nice scene. Oh, nice. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So and, we've probably seen him on camera before, but not as Sergeant Siler. It, and this is one of the few times where he is on camera as Sergeant Siler and he doesn't get hurt. That's yes. right. <laughs> nice. And he has more than one line in the episode. So I was pleased yeah. with that. And, <laughs> and he becomes an astrophysicist at the end, too, just about. So he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, a, he's a smart almost guy. A semi, a semi focused character in this episode. He's yeah. plays a pretty integral part. Yeah, and exactly. This is before we had, you know, a, a Dr. Felger or a Dr. Lee or a Dr. McKay to be another, you know, smart uh you know sciencey person in it so they had to kind of delegate that to daniel i guess but the other thing i like about this episode is that it does there's a conscious effort to clean up a lot of the continuity errors in the show up till this point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
so they establish uh, for a fact that the gate network was not built by the Gould. Um, and then, you know, at the end, you know, the, the second Stargate helps to explain some of the cultures that they've discovered where, um, you know, they evolved after the point where the, uh, um, you know, Egypt Stargate was, was buried only. Mm-hmm. Then they immediately reverse that. And, and it's clear that the a- Antarctic Stargate was, was lost long before the uh, Egypt Stargate was, mm-hmm. was ever around. But so I, I like it from that. And then, you know, we're, we do have the uh, the second Stargate, um, which they do a lot with over the course of the show. Yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. Because I mean, it, that... it comes up from it comes up actually quite prominently eventually. So, oh, nice. I assume this is not the one that ends up in Atlantis, but I don't nope. know for sure. No. Nope. Okay. Cool. That's a Pegasus uh, Galaxy Stargate, and they're way cooler. Nope. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. It's like actually. The, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't this one eventually end up in SGC because the SGC yep. one is stolen? Yep. yep. It goes to Area 51. The SGC eventually goes into outer space. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It gets traveled. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like this kind of episode uh, where you basically get like an extreme survival scenario that is kind of a laser focus on. It's more of like a character study and how characters mm-hmm. do in these extreme situations. Um this is a bit of synchronicity right here, but I think this on the day that we're recording, um, Secrets of Star Trek actually put out their episode for the Enterprise episode Shuttle Pod One, which is the one where uh, Malcolm Reed and uh, uh, Trip Trip are stuck in the shuttle pod, and that's actually one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise. I, I haven't uh, listened to the episode yet, uh, so I don't know. What I you hate to disappoint you, you. You might not want to listen uh, to the episode. Yeah, let, let's just say I like this episode a lot better than Shuttle Pod One. Yeah, I, I hate I to break it to you, yeah. Jack. <laughs> and if you like, if you like Shuttle Pod One, there's an episode of Atlantis that you'll that you'll really like. Um, the one where uh, McKay gets stuck underwater. Oh uh, yeah, and, and actually that one's jumper. better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just like that whole you know last ditch survival scenario. Oh yeah. And it's been a while since I've seen Shuttle Pod One. To be fair, so it may not be as good as I remember, but I'm also grading on a curve because of but the it, first season know, of Enterprise. It, these are similar. These are similar type of episodes where you've got right. the survival. Um, it is. It is different because this is uh, kind of a different situation, and it is frankly a much better episode. You know, right? Season one of Stargate is by an, by a large margin better than season one of Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, it's or it's just Star so Trek show. <clears throat> yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of gate mischief happening in this episode too, um, and some of it is. Is continuity errors. Uh, my eight-year-old actually, our eight-year-old was was very quick to point this out when they're trying to dial back to uh, you know the planet um, uh, P four A seven seven one. Our eight-year-old is watching this. He's going like, "Wait, that's the Abydos address. I have that memorized. They're dialing Abydos." Yep. And oh of course, gosh. they they recycled the the footage from the from the yep. very first episode. There's another one where an SGT SG team comes back through the gate and the gate's shrouded in, in tarps like it was in the very first episode. <laughs> and then and then there's some actual gate mischief that um, affects the the plot is kind of a, a plot mm. error with this as well. Um, you know, when they when they do find the gate, uh, Carter tries to dial Earth, but then stops and doesn't try to dial any of the other friendly planets, which right. uh, which which would have, of course, worked. Well, and, it, and it, the, that would have been the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All credits. Yep. Well, <laughs> it's it is kind of funny because it does show its time for this these episodes where uh, 
uh, Daniel turns to Teal'c and says, what happens if you call your home number from your home? Oh, wait, uh, wrong person. Turns to, to the general. What, what happens if you try to dial your home number? And, of course, you get a busy signal. How many people have heard a busy signal in the last 15 years? You get your voicemail, right? Yeah. 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 And it, yeah. which oh, it was funny. I can't remember where I called, but I actually called somewhere not that long ago. I got a busy signal, but you know, busy signals are something we don't hear anymore. Yeah. Cause you usually have Even voicemail. We had, sell, we had call waiting. Yeah, exactly. Good old 60 Hertz. But yeah, um, this is definitely, I know we've talked uh, in several other episodes about the whole uh, Sam and Jack ship. And this definitely mm-hmm. feels like this would be something that would be throwing fuel on the fire for that. Yeah, a, a, a certain line about his firearm definitely didn't help that. That's for sure. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's the first episode of the two of them together. Right? Yeah. You had, yeah. You had uh, Teal'c and Daniel together, and you had Sam and Jack together. So it it, it really just kind of fueled that what if, right? And then, of course, mm-hmm. the whole, I'm going to die, it was an honor, you know, all of that just, just kind of uh, stirred it. But, you know, it's funny, I don't remember... At the time I saw it initially, it was after the little tidbit you get in season two, season three, and then the mm-hmm. full on, you know, I think they went full on ship in season four. And then everyone went back to season one and went, oh, yeah, there was that episode, right? Of the two yeah. of them together, you know, and really tried to find more in it. I'm not sure it was set up that way on purpose. I think the way it's played in this episode, and this is coming from having just watched up to this point, not having that retroactive view of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was played more for like the awkward comedy in this mm-hmm. episode, at least than it was mm-hmm. for any sort of like serious relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Awkward yeah. comedy and, and survival. I mean, just right. you know, the right. show, the necessity right. of survival. I mean, that's one of the things they tell you. If somebody's suffering with hypothermia, you get under a blanket with them to give your body heat to them mm-hmm. to help them survive. And of course, everybody chuckles about, you know, especially Boy Scouts when they're learning about this for, yeah, you know, winter yeah. survival tips and <laughs> yeah. Boy Scouts. They're laughing about, oh, yeah, I hope there's a cute girl that I have to give, you know, climb into the sleeping bag with, you know. But beyond that, uh, it is it, it is an essential part of survival in a winter situation like this. Right. That if someone has the real issue where they might have hypothermia, you got to give your body heat to them so they can survive. Course, right. I, yeah. I've had broken ribs, so I kind oh, of no. felt for Jack there where she's. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> he wakes up and she's laying on him and I'm sorry, but that was the most awful pain in the world for me. And so mm. I can't even fathom a laying flat on my back when I had broken oh. ribs, more or less someone yeah. laying on me that no, no, no. That was a moment. One thing I, you know, I will say about this, Amanda Tapping played this amazing, you know, that you can mm. see the pain in her eyes as She's wrapping that the the, the uh, splint on Jack's leg, and he's crying out in pain. I mean, you know, it really played it like Sam was Sam was hurting as much emotionally as he was physically in doing this, mm-hmm. but she understood the need to splint his leg so that he could, you know, move around and do what he needed to do. I think we yeah, saw definitely. a real strength of character for her, right, in this episode. A little more depth. Mm-hmm. I also appreciated how. I feel like Jack O'Neill's kind of defense mechanism in a lot of situations is sarcastic humor. And I appreciate that her attitude was she goes along with it, but at a certain point she's like, no, we need to actually talk about what we're going to do in the situation. And she, she kind of pushed back against that. So I like Mm -hmm. to see that because I know that 
it almost seems like his character is he's dealing with a lot of this trauma and like with his son and all these things he's gone through. So he uses humor as a deflection and she's able to cut through that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the the really cool thing is um, I was trying to look up the episode, but there is an episode of Atlantis, the season that she was on where she basically is injured lying on the floor of a cave. There's a ticking mm-hmm. clock and is dependent upon uh, Rodney McKay and uh, Kaylee from Firefly to, to rescue nice. her. And so um, she, I think that if you when we get to that episode, I think that's probably her best performance in mm. the entire run of Stargate is, is her performance where she's lying injured, trying to crack jokes, but in so much pain. And she just it's uh, it's really a good moment for her as an actress, nice. not as a character. Of course, mm. it's quite miserable, but. Um, but it's, it's just kind of, uh, neat that, that symmetry there. Nice. And I, I think we have to talk about the big twist in this episode, since I think that was the whole point of the episode and everything else was just kind of filler to, to get to that point. Um, the call was coming from inside the house the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I Troy McClure, like, you know, Planet of the Apes, the musical, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. I was wrong. It was earth. Oh, look, look. Um, <laughs> so yeah, planet, but actually, um, there's a 1959 episode of the twilight zone called I shot an arrow into the air, um, where like the mm-hmm. first man space flight goes up and comes down on a distant oh, yeah. planet and the crew turns against each other and kills each other. And then they find out they crash landed in Arizona, like miles away mm. from the space center or something. So, um, mm. this was a little less grim than, than that, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very good, very effective twist. Uh, I thought it would have been better if uh, Carter had had that like realization that they were on Earth before, like everybody showed up and told her that she was on Earth. You know, I think that would have been a much like realizing that she and Jack were going to die so close to home yet so far away. Uh, that yeah, that would have been good because the way they play the episode, you can kind of get the hints that they're on Earth before they even reveal that. Like about halfway through, I was pretty sure they're just like in Antarctica or the arctic mm-hmm. or something and the way mm-hmm. just the way it was set up was not the best to execute that that twist right there mm-hmm. i do like though when she climbs out of the glacier and is looking around she's like it's an ice planet yeah. and i almost feel like that was kind of hanging a lantern on the fact that in science fiction you always get these planets that yeah. are just one biome it's like yep. earth has all these different biomes but in any science fiction planet it's either like a desert planet or a jungle planet or an ice <laughs> planet and there, you can't have all of that on one planet and and half the planets in Stargate look like Vancouver, British Columbia. That's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was it was good to it, of course this is the first time we see General Hammond outside of the SGC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually got to leave the 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 bunker and go out into the world. So and wear a parka and say, "Get to the chopper." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or nice. get Jack to the chopper. But not through the Stargate quite yet. (laughs) Not yet. Eventually he will go through the Stargate, just not yet. I was really hoping for a At the Mountains of Madness tie-in, but we did not get that, because that would have been cool. I I forgot to look up, but I I love the scenery where she eventually climbs out of. Just beautiful. Yeah, I was looking that up, and I'm assuming they filmed that in Canada in some Mm -hmm. sort of proximity to where they normally made the show, but they did not give any direct filming locations. Yeah. So yes. See, you said beautiful scenery. Uh, I'm further to the East and I actually wrote down nice frozen hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful mountains. I mean, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wouldn't mind visiting. I don't want to live there, but I could visit there once in a while. That's funny. <laughs> it did invoke the uh, the planet that they're on in Interstellar where Matt Damon tries to kill everybody. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, so. I, I think it's yeah. too long. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Um, but yeah, I like the part where uh, Daniel is kind of figuring out and piecing everything together. And I feel like there's a lot of non sequiturs in his logic where he's like, well, maybe because the Stargate misfired, it would go to another Stargate that was close to it. Like, okay, but why? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you had Daniel Jackson suddenly doing Carter's job, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. It, it is Stargate logic, and and you and you see a lot of that throughout the show, where it's like, well, maybe if we just had a more powerful power source, the Stargates would go further, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, and another right. thing is we finally get confirmation that the Stargate network is inside our galaxy, whereas in the movie they had said, you're going to another universe, or you're going across the universe. Yep. We finally, that's another thing that they kind of, you know, fixed the continuity of in this episode. They made all the Stargates in, in our galaxy. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, yeah. And, and they did, you know, they say that the reason why the Stargate jumped away or the wormhole jumped away is because of a power surge. And of course, mm-hmm. that leads to, like you said, Victor, where eventually it's like, well, if we give it more powers, you know, 1.21 gigawatts and we can <laughs> yeah. go to the Pegasus galaxy. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we haven't talked about is we talk, it's on Earth. But the, how a second Stargate on Earth opens up, I mean, it just so much more, right? I mean, mm-hmm. now they have a DHD. Now they have a second Stargate, which we know those of us have seen more episodes and lots more chaos, you know, things going on on Earth that, that just didn't happen. But it, it was it was kind of a, if I remember correctly, when I first saw it the first time, it was like, wait, why would there be two Stargates? Like, that's crazy. Right. But they use it really well going forward. Mm-hmm. They can bring in the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, nice. that, yeah. And the yeah. NID. And the NID. <laughs> the NID. Yeah. It gets stolen. I mean, it's missing. I mean, you know, it's it's just a little bit more development or you know, plot. The plot thickens, right, as to what's going yep. on. And they 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 definitely uh, kind of say, well, it's clear that this Stargate was here before the one that was found in Egypt, and so this one got buried you know, by ice age. So then they just brought in another one and planted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which also this ties in nicely then to Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And the ancient and, chair, and how we find Atlantis. Yeah. And we will, we'll, we'll be back to this spot in a few seasons. So nice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We, we go back to Antarctica a lot of times. That's where they find uh, the, uh, the ancient with the pandemic and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So. What's a pandemic? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we know nothing about that. Yeah. <laughs> check us, check us out in a couple seasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, one, one thing I like too is they they hung a lantern on the fact that you know the first couple of episodes everything shakes when they dial it. They said, yeah. oh, we, 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 yeah. I can't remember exactly what they said, but we put buffers on it, some kind of you right. know power buffers or some yeah. stabilizers on it. <laughs> yeah, how, how they found this, the Atlantis Stargate was was very cool. I think they they looked for the mm-hmm. seismic tremors and stuff, and yeah, yeah. Th- that I thought was really cool. Was yeah, you get that uh, right to the original, mm-hmm. the way everything shook. Yep, right. And you also get a Jurassic Park kind of thing there with all the the cups of water start shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I do it- also like uh, when Sam is troubleshooting <laughs> yeah. the uh, the DHD. At one point, she just like turns it off and then turns it back on again. Yeah. Reboots it. That's, yes. a, that's a pro move right there. Yeah. 
Too bad. Number one thing, any IT person tells you, yep. right? Did you turn it off? Did you turn it back yep. on? <laughs> but we don't see the guts of it yet. Eventually, we'll start seeing the crystals and everything inside of it. But for now, it's just she reaches down and it powers off and powers back on. Nice. Yeah. Too bad the serpent guard who was frozen with the DHD didn't think of that. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm also wondering, like, was he just there waiting for the ice age to move in? Like, he's like, oh, I'm just going to, oh, here comes the glacier. It's another, like, four centimeters closer today. And Yeah, exactly. Right. So hang on a second. So if that gate was buried in an ice age and then the ghoul brought a second one, so are we saying the ghoul were there with the first one? Or are we saying the ancients were there with the first one? Because why is there serpent guard if it was with the ancients? Yeah, I'm trying to think in my continuity here. The ancients. They hadn't thought of that. Left yet, the Milky Way <laughs> 15,000 years ago or something, then Which went to Pegasus. Been an ice age. Came back Which, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly how, how that works and out. It, you know, and I can't remember. I, maybe eventually, I can't remember, but eventually I think the series does kind of address that, that there is a gap between the ancients developing the Stargate network and the Gwauld coming to power. Mm-hmm. You know, that the two don't match. So I don't know. I can't remember, though, off the top of my head. I never even thought about that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like, though, um, the uh, the Kawoosh cutting uh, the hole through the ice and the rock. That that mm-hmm. looked really cool, the set that they had for that. That was yeah. well thought out, though I think it probably extended a little bit too far into the background, but it looked cool. And it's yeah, something it we awesome. see again later, too. Yeah, I was going to say, we get to see that uh, 100 days. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, they did a good job with the scenery, and I do want to see, I'm excited to see, like, uh, when a Stargate gets moved, does that circle continue all the way through? Because every star- Stargate we've seen so far, it's just, like, the platform with, like, the stairs and everything. But I want to know how integral that is to the structure of the device itself. We see them in space. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Underwater. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So, nice. It expands a um, lot. Yeah. Did you have anything else to add about this episode, Father Corey? A uh, couple of things. First of all, I do have to correct myself. Um, he was, you're right. He was Master Sergeant Siler. I, for some reason, I thought he was a tech sergeant. I got to correct myself on that. I just happened to look it up online. Uh, but I get a kick out of that. He doesn't do Scotty timing. Right. Colonel or General Hammond says, I, you know, he says it's going to take 24 hours to fix it. And General Hammond says, well, I need it quicker. And si- Sergeant Siler immediately says, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, he doesn't do the Scotty timing of double the 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 estimate. So when he says it's twenty four hours, it is twenty four hours. Yeah, and um, in one of the director's commentaries, I I, I heard um, apparently Dan Shea has problems saying his S's. So the mm. writers would well, they that's why they named him Sylvester Siler, and then they gave him dialogue <laughs> that had just oh, loads no. of S words in it. So so he would lisp uh, through it. But I, I love him. He's yeah. one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and then we get. Uh, Master Sergeant Harriman gets a lot more. Walter gets a lot more uh, role in this one. Um, and then one thing I was thinking about, you know, of course, as soon as they realize that the second gate is in south of McMurdo, from Colorado Springs to McMurdo <laughs> has to be at least 12 to 20 hours. And, of course, they're going to wait to actually fly out to the location until, right. you know, General Hammond and Tilk and Daniel get there. Yep. There was like a Learjet. Come on. But still, it's going to be, tw- it, you're going from the, middle of the northern hemisphere to the bottom of the southern hemisphere it's a little bit of a flight yeah but of course you had you had to have them there to find them and you know the start the yeah. general is there and everything and oh yeah they could have done like the lord of the rings thing where they just wake up in a bed and are all cleaned up they 
pretty close. I mean, but they yeah. didn't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, we also, you know, where Teal'c would not give up, right? Teal'c mm-hmm. and Daniel leave no one behind. We're just going to keep going, keep going. So it wouldn't have been right if they weren't there. To yep. That's true for dramatic them, tension. Right. Yeah. And their big puffy jackets and stuff. Yes. <laughs> What about you, Lisa? Did you have anything else to add? No, no. I just, just we're wrapping up uh, season one, so yeah, it's just kind of kind of fun to. I don't know. It just gets better and better. And next mm-hmm. week's another uh, favorite episode of mine. So we're just I don't know, just trucking along. Nice. What about you, Victor? Uh, I like this episode too. Like I said, it it establishes a lot of things for the for the continuity. Um, uh, it's a good character episode, and uh, you know, more Siler is always a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have some uh, feedback from one of our listeners. Uh, Sydney Orndorff says, uh, "Thank you so much for making this podcast. I started out as a Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World fan. I still am, of course, and was happy to find out that SQPN had developed a Stargate show. I discovered slash became a fan of Stargate during the pandemic." Starting with Atlantis, actually, then starting to watch SG-1. The characters and their camaraderie, interactions, and growth, paired with the good old sci-fi settings, props, and plots, won me over. I rarely run into other Stargate fans, so it's so nice to see it have a place to listen to fans (laughs) discussing the show. I'd love to start hearing some episodes on Atlantis soon, though I know you seem to be taking a chronological approach. But that just happens to be the way I feel about it. Thanks so much again. Yeah, it's fantastic to hear, and... uh, that is something we can maybe look at in the future. I know that starting out, we we kind of looked at doing SG one, then it then bringing in Atlantis when it starts in the continuity. But I'm definitely open to bringing mm-hmm. it in sooner if we want to kind of change things up a bit. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think all of us would like to get into to Atlantis because it's 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 just as much fun, but it's different fun. You know, it's, right. it's got a different flavor to it, but it's still just as much fun. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking about that as well. But yeah, that's great. Glad to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's always good to hear from uh hear from people and get feedback on that, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So yep. And I and I gotta right. say, I love that she said that just happens the way I feel about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a, a good a good reference right there. Yep. Before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Robert S., Lisa B., Joseph R., Rick M., and Kelly W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn.com. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Tin Man. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. I'm here, Jack. You can sleep now. <laughs> Thank you, Victor. And once again, I'm Jack Berezini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest.
Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>